Now's a good time to remember where the story of tequila started. In 1795, the first tequila distillery was opened by the Cuervo family. And 229 years later, Cuervo is still going strong. Family owned from the start. Same family, same land. Now's a good time to enjoy Cuervo, the tequila that invented tequila. Go to Cuervo.com to shop tequila or visit a store near you. Cuervo, now's a good time. Trademarks owned by Beckless AB to CV 2024, Proximo, Jersey City, New Jersey. Please drink responsibly. You're listening to DraftKings Network. The John Anik and Kenny Florian podcast. John Anik and Kenny Florian. I f***ing love them. I can't get enough of them. Let's hear that for us next. Big job there from Duffy and Frank Mir is hurt now. Oh, down goes Duffy. Oh, cold. Frank Mir does it again. Rock'em, sock'em, robots here. Oh, my goodness. I can't believe They're a couple of absolutely self-involved bullshit artists. Here are your hosts, John Anik and Kenny Florian. Oh, Penfield is one of the toughest guys I know. I'm looking at the PFL 9 poster. It says, Collin versus Burgos, survival of the fittest. I wonder how many people turn on the telecast. They understand that Ken Flo's not there and they just turn the television off. I did not because I'm a Clay Collard guy, but I'm glad you're feeling better. Monday, August 28th, 2023, episode 432 of the Anakin Florian podcast. You're clean shaven. I know you got a lot going on in your life and you're still here for us today, kid. Uh, so PFL 9, no Kenny Florian, huh? Nowhere to be found. Oh, man, I'm, I'm back from the dead. Uh, I, I had the worst stomach flu i've never had anything like that like the pain that i had in my stomach i was like this is not this is not normal i would just like sleep for two hours be up for two hours like i just did that for like probably 48 hours straight um and it messed me up dude it messed me up. i couldn't eat anything i didn't want to smell anything and I, i just remember just telling myself like sip water just keep having some water in you so I was getting dehydrated. But anyways, yeah, I wasn't able to work on Wednesday night. Uh, unfortunately, because it was an insane main event. But yeah. uh, I guess these things happen sometimes. What would they do if you went down on fight night? What What would they do? I mean, what, they'd have to bring someone in. Like what? They would uh, They would figure it out. You know, a lot of these guys <laughs> fancy themselves play-by-play guys anyway, right? So I think they would figure it out. <laughs> uh, but, yeah, uh, yeah. We're glad you're feeling better. I'd imagine when you're going through this, you're also thinking, hey, I just got out the other side. I'll look 37. You know, I look like I was born in 1986. My goodness. Well, uh, it's good to see you and it's good to be back in everybody's collective lives. Thank you for checking us out on the DraftKings Network or the DraftKings YouTube channel. On the audio side, we appreciate you, right? Is it not about time that I acknowledge the people who only listen and don't watch this show? But we wouldn't mind if you watched it as well, because I do think it's a better take. I spent like fucking three grand on this mosaic sign. You might as well fucking look at it, right? (laughs) So I was in Las Vegas. I just got off a red eye. Going to be lots of cussing today. Just got off a red eye. Had a hard time sleeping. They keep those planes freezing. I mean, anyone who knows me knows I run hot. I'm a sweaty guy. But man, these planes are so freezing. And they, they can't wait to tell you how few blankets they have, as in zero, on the entire aircraft. It's so, brutal, dude. Yeah, so we didn't sleep much. Um, but I got to say, I got this American Airlines concierge key business all of a sudden, you know, within the last couple of weeks. 
it's their months, I guess I should say. It's like they're top tier. So I'm traveling with my twin brother. And the guys boarding the plane, you know, they stick a hand in his chest and uh, upgrade him to first class every goddamn time. That's know? awesome. Both Damn, legs. Dude. Yeah. So uh, yeah. wasn't all bad. You know, had a little recreational time in Las Vegas, which I don't usually have. But we have a very exciting project coming. Can't tell you uh, about it, but I did get to see my guy, Dominic Cruz, who will be joining us later in the week alongside the uh, Penn State legendary wrestler, Roman Bravo Young. Today, we got Ray Longo coming up. We also got Brian Petrie as we make selections for uh, Sirogan and Sergei Spivak. So Ray Longo had his hip replaced a few days ago. Yes. And uh, I don't know if he's uh, being particularly tough about it. I absolutely love the guy. I <laughs> called him and he took my call which I was very thankful for. But uh, he said, left the hospital four hours after surgery, but this is way rougher than I thought. Thanks for checking in. Also, I'm good to go with the podcast. LOL, the show must go on. He loves the Anakin Florian podcast. He's coming up here in about 23 minutes. What a beast. But uh, we're glad Ray is out the other side. And hopefully, I haven't talked to him in about 48 hours, so hopefully he's doing better. Uh, but with respect to your guy, Clay Collard, we're going to lead the dance with Max Blessed Holloway. He wins the UFC main event in Singapore over the Korean zombie Chan Sung Jung. Comes at 23 seconds around three, Ken Flo. Knockout. Shades of Derek Brunson right against Robert Whitaker back in the day. Suicide mission. No, that was a little bit different. But there were a lot of layers to this fight. You know, Max at his uh, brilliant best for parts of this fight for sure. The Korean zombie did land a couple of shots. But, uh, man, did he go forward in the final round of his UFC career and uh, paid the price. Yeah, I, I think he had tried to be technical against someone like Max Holloway. He was trying to outbox Max Holloway. And while he was landing some decent shots here and there, I think the fact that, you know, the footwork was holding him back, uh, the experience of Max Holloway was holding him back. So he decided to change things up and just go into full Korean zombie mode. And while he's extremely dangerous when he's doing that, he's also extremely vulnerable, especially when you have a great counter striker and sniper in Max Holloway. Ultimately, he was landing shots that Korean zombie just could not come back from. And Holloway did what Holloway does. And I thought it was a very solid performance from him. And I agree with you, John. I think that there were flashes of Max Holloway in this fight that looked like he, went his, he was in his prime still, but there were other aspects where I did notice a, a certain decline um, in his skills. But, I mean, this is what happens. You fight at the highest levels for as long as someone like Max Holloway does, and you're going to get that over time, especially given some of the wars that he's been in. But Max Holloway, doesn't matter, still one of the most exciting fighters in this sport. And still not that old and still, I believe, has never been knocked down in a fight, right? I mean, the last time I started to say, you know, what's it going to take to knock this guy down or out? I fell back and broke a chair. I was talking about Marvin Vittori, but what is yeah. it going to take, right, to knock Max Holloway down? But the Korean zombie is certainly a big part of the story as well, Kenny. When you look back at some of the big wins on his career, I, I remember, I think it was you and me, Fuel TV, the main event against Dustin Poirier back in the day, you know, went over Frankie Edgar. Dennis Bermudez, some others, fought Jose Aldo for the title, fought Alexander Volkanovsky. A lot of highlights for the Korean Zombie. You did feel uh, his disappointment in not breaking through and winning the world title, but uh, what a walkout, what a legacy, and what a human being, right? If, if there was not this language barrier, people, I think, would really understand how good a dude he is. Well, there, there's something you can't question in guys like the Korean Zombie, and, and it's his heart. And um, how he was willing to put his 
his body on the line to get a certain result and to deliver action and to be one of the most exciting fighters uh, ever as well. Um, you know, that's what got people so excited about this fight. These are two legends going at it, guys that, you know, have only delivered uh, amazing fights over the course of their career. Uh, and, you know, I, I think you're right. He, he, I've never heard a bad thing about the Korean zombie from somebody. Uh, he's a guy who has always gone out there, competed hard. And I think it's a very difficult decision when you do realize, just like I did, and you're like, okay, well, I had my shots at, at the title. Um, it's not going to happen at this stage of the game. That's what I want. That's what I wanted. And uh, I'm gonna, it's time to step away. And, and I think it's the time. It's the perfect time because Korean zombie is so tough. He was only going to take way more damage uh, if that fight continued and yeah. potentially you know if his career continued so i think he's he's calling it quits at the right time and um you know it was a pleasure to to watch him from the beginning of his career to where he he was on uh the other night twister against leonard garcia in his ufc debut i believe over under seven and a half ufc main events for the korean zombie i'll take the over nine ufc main events kenny all his fights were main events yeah all of his fights were main events, and uh, I'm sure he will be some sort of ambassador of some kind, either for the UFC or for mixed martial arts, but we congratulate the Korean Zombie on an outstanding career. Max Holloway adds to his Hall of Fame legacy, I believe his 21st UFC win, and uh, you certainly think that he's going to retire top five, if not top three. What do you do with Max Holloway, Ken Flo? What do you do? I mean, it's been four or five years since anybody not named Alexander Volkanovsky has beaten him. I think it was Dustin Poirier back in 2019. What do you do? I mean, Arnold Allen, Yair Rodriguez, you trot all these guys out there, Calvin Cater. What do you do, Ken Flo? What the fuck do you do? Well, I guess there's always 155 pounds. Um, that, that didn't necessarily go well for him when he fought Dustin Poirier at 155. However, I think over time he can maybe put on some mass to to still be very effective and, and, and elite at 155 pounds. Uh, I don't know. He he's in a tough spot because he's the guy who is kind of um, I. I I don't want to say, uh, you know, the gatekeeper necessarily, but uh, he's certainly that guy that's just before the champion where if you're able to get by him, then, hey, you're probably going to get the next shot. So uh, he's still elite. There's no question about that. I, he's not going to fight for a title anytime soon. So I, I think it's really just super fights ahead for him, right? Just finding the best fights that you can possibly make, maybe 145, 155. And uh, that's all you can really do. You know you're going to get uh, an exciting fight. You can make it a fight night main event anytime you want. You can put him on a pay-per-view anytime you want. Um, but as far as being a champion in the sport, uh, that's most likely not going to happen at this stage of the game. Now, had Aljamain Sterling beaten Sean O'Malley, that might have opened some different things up, right? You could have done a fight between Aljamain Sterling and Alexander Volkanovsky. And by the way, Volkanovsky had a healthy appetite for defending his belt against Aljamain Sterling. Had Aljo vacated and moved up, not trying to become a simultaneous two-division champion, Sterling, right? Not trying to get in Marab's way, but to move up and face Alexander yeah. Volkanovsky. Then Ilya Topuria, you know, potentially Ilya Topuria could fight Max Holloway, but Topuria is undefeated and ready probably to fight Volkanovsky for the title. So I would imagine that would be the fight. But had Sterling won, I mean, you could do Sterling Holloway, but now Aljo wants a rematch and deservedly so. 
But I, you know, I don't mind a Sterling Holloway fight if Aljo decides to, uh, you know, not stare death in the face, cutting weight anymore. And I shouldn't say that, but Rogan called him one of the best weight cutters in the sport. Uh, I don't know. It's you're right about the big fights. Uh, but I guess I wouldn't put the championship as rear view as you do, only because. There are just so many weird things that happen in this sport, short notice and otherwise, right? Is it out of the realm of possibility that Holloway make a couple hundred grand, you know, weighing in as a backup or something, right, for a Volkanovsky fight? Uh, I, I, it is 3-0, right? It is 3-0, and it's not Alex Pereira, Israel Adesanya 3-0. It's 3-0 in the UFC, in mixed martial arts. But one of those fights, uh, I don't know, man. I don't know. I'm not even suggesting that Volkanovsky wouldn't be minus 400 or minus 500, but I just think you never know, right? Because he sure. just keeps plucking these guys off. And in a long-winded way, I'll just say, you know, Max Holloway was a minus 1,000 or so favorite this weekend. So he was supposed to beat a twilight retiring Korean zombie. So featherweight rankings, other names out there, you know, Brian T. City Ortega. Seems like he needs a fight. Uh, Josh Emmett seems to just want to be fighting all the time right now. Uh, I don't believe Josh Emmett has fought Max Holloway unless I'm mistaken. We'll see. Giga Chikadze just had a big win. He's calling for Yair Rodriguez. That makes a shit ton of sense. It's a great division. It's a great division. We'll see what happens moving forward. We congratulate Max Holloway. All right, let us get to the co-main event, Ken Flo. So, uh, Ken Flo, you have Ryan Spann minus 148. You probably felt like maybe uh, he had done enough potentially to win this fight. It was a close fight, uh, boiled down to round three, I think, in the opinion of most. Uh, it goes to Anthony Lionheart-Smith by split decision. Your thoughts on the co-main event in Singapore? Yeah. Um, for you, know, first off, I, I think this was a good performance from Anthony Smith. I, I think that uh, this was a much more inspired uh, Anthony Smith. I think he fought hard. He, he didn't show a lot of the weaknesses he showed in his last fight. Um, I thought he was making proper adjustments. He seemed to be in tune for a lot of that fight. Um, he did get hurt a few times in that fight as well, but he, he hung on it. He hung, hung in there. Uh, was able to survive some some nasty flurries and things like that. Um, I, I'm not sure he won that fight. Um, I had Ryan Spann winning that fight, um, but I, I just don't think he did enough. Really, not a whole lot of those, either guy did a, a whole lot in round three, but I did think that right. Spann was doing a bit more uh, landing, just a, a little bit cleaner uh, in some of those exchanges and uh, kind of you know backing up Anthony Smith and kind of. Kind of taking it to him in that regard. So, uh, but it was close. Um, but yeah. I, I don't know. I, I think for for Span, uh, it, it's not going to happen for him in regards to making smart decisions in in fights. And and may, perhaps that's that's a little harsh. But if I'm not seeing that at this stage of the game with all of his experience, then I don't know what to tell you. Um, because potential wise, skill wise, he's got it, man. He's got it, but some of the decisions he makes during a fight really screws himself. Uh, yeah. And I think that, that kind of did him in uh, in that Anthony Smith fight. I think it could have been perceived as an easier win for him than what he was doing, some of the decisions he would make. So, you know, yeah. whether it's the guillotine, like he loves that guillotine, man. He'll go for the guillotine and you fall to his back. He gets on top of you, he'll try to go for a guillotine to get on top. And it's just... He, he's just making these poor decisions, I think, on a grappling level, especially that uh, are costing him. And, and it's just going to prevent him from being elite in that division, unfortunately. And for Anthony Smith, um, roller coaster ride, man. He's he's up, he's down, he's up, he's down. And But at the same time, just knowing Anthony, great guy, great analyst, to see him get this win over a tough Ryan span um, is, is cool. 
Yeah, I thought Anthony Lionheart Smith looked really good in pockets of this fight, came out with the Muay Thai stance. He listened to the Anakin Florian podcast. He heard what Ken Flo had to say as far as checking some of those leg kicks, offered up plenty of those on his own and yeah. fought a really good first round, buckled down through the adversity in round two. And then I thought in a close round three might have done enough. But I do think that you're right to sort of lean into the span side of things because even Anthony Smith said during fight week, if I had this guy's physical gifts and some of these skills, I'd be a world champion. And far be it from me as the play-by-play guy to sit here and question a man's work ethic or what is the cause of the cardio abandonment. But you just have to be better at this stage of the career. Like I think yeah. if, if Safe Saud was here, he would probably suggest to you that Ryan Spann ha- has underachieved a skosh. And uh, this was a big spot, a rematch that Anthony Smith gave him, co-main event scenario in Singapore. I mean, you got to be in the shape of your fucking life and be ready to go in round three, right? This is a guy who's headlined, I believe, for the UFC once, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, I don't know, man. Like, he's got a lot of potential, but uh, this may have been the night uh, on which the the championship window closed for Ryan Spann, unfortunately. I don't know. I remember there was a time where, as a soccer player, as a young kid, because I had started. Oh, give me this. Yep. Give me this. Yep. I had started so early. <laughs> I felt like I was ahead of a lot of kids uh, from a skills perspective for a while. Um, but I didn't stay developing some of those skills. I, I I didn't like running when I was really little. So, you know, some of the fitness tests I would just go and just do just because I could get away with it and do it on on practice day as opposed to prepare for it and, and, and you know, do my summer running and all that stuff that I was supposed to do. But after a few years, all these kids started not only were they growing, but they were growing into their skill sets and they started to not only match me, but start to like run away from me in certain spots. Mm. And, you know, I felt like that hurt me as I tried to get into the college level and all that stuff. Still had a good, you know, obviously high school career and premier league, you know, all that stuff. But I I missed some crucial time. There was a few years where I was not working as hard as I needed to. And by the time I realized it, it was almost too late. It's like, no, dude, you should have been working a few years ago. So when I started huh. martial arts, when I started MMA, I always had that in the back of my mind that Very interesting. if I'm not working hard, I'm going to get screwed. I'm going to get outworked by people. And some people, you know, I'm not saying this is the case with Ryan Spann, but you go, you know what? I'm going to work hard. I'm going to take this camp seriously, and then I'm going to get the result I want. Does not work that way. Sometimes yeah. it takes five years of hard-ass work for it to pay off. Yes. Right in six, seven years. So you just got to stay grinding all the yeah. time. And people are like, well, now I took this camp seriously. Let's see what happens. Doesn't happen for them. They get discouraged. They're, you know, mentally it ruins them. All this stuff starts to combine, compound and snowball. So anyways, um, yeah, it, it, doing work now, it's probably too late. Tired of snooty wines and their old wine culture? Confused by words like malolactic fermentation? Yeah, we are too. So with 19 Crimes, you can do the fancy schmancy tilt-sip smell routine, or don't. 19 Crimes is the rebel of wine and culture, telling the stories of rogues and rule breakers who overcame adversities. From convicts banished to Australia, to the legendary icon Snoop Dogg himself, 19 Crimes wine is defiant by nature, bold in character, and always uncompromising. 19 Crimes the official wine of UFC. Pick up in stores nationwide or online at 19crimes.com. Enjoy responsibly. 
2024, Sonoma, California. And maybe it's working on your breathing too and sort of some of the energy yep. management in fight. We talk about the guillotine and things like this. But if you are watching us on the DraftKings Network, like this is the kid right here, Kempo. You think <laughs> this kid's going for an extra run? You know, you think this punk kid out of, out of Metro West Massachusetts is like, you know, but <clears throat> it is very interesting <laughs> to hear you talk because in your mixed martial arts career, you were nothing if not a uh, hard worker. You left a lot of money on the table to and didn't do TV repeatedly like Dominic Cruz has in your UFC career uh, to make sure that you were prepared optimally for these fights. So, uh, yeah, it's always interesting seeing Kenny come to the studio like smaller and smaller and then he'd just disappear for uh, for a couple <laughs> weeks. All right. So, uh, yeah. So congratulations to Anthony Lionheart Smith. And how about him coming out instead of to his uh, traditional rock walkout song to Real motherfucking G's by Easy E. Perfect song. So because whatever you want to say about <clears throat> my guy, my broadcast partner at times, Anthony Lionheart Smith, he is a real gangster. True, tried. Go to his Wikipedia page. Way too many fights. <laughs> All right. Uh, <clears throat> excuse me. Longo coming up in about seven minutes with his new hip. Giga Chikadze is back. He waited a long time to fight. He gets past uh, a very game. Alex Caceres, 30. Did I do what am I doing? Alex Caceres. I was fucking rolling my R's right now. <laughs> Sounded good though, dude. Underslept. Really Thanks. Thanks, man. <laughs> uh, Giga Chikadze over Alex Caceres, 30 27 times three. Did you watch that fight? I did. I Talk sure did. I, I thought it was, dude, I, I really enjoyed the hell out of that fight. Yeah, I me too. It was, yeah, it was technical, it was back and forth. Caceres is tough, dude. You know, he was outgunned heading into that fight, I felt. But I knew he was going to stick around and he was going to give himself his the best possibility of of success, of winning. He, he just didn't have that extra gear, right? And um, But I, I enjoyed it, man. It's super technical. Yeah, it's a good way to put it that he didn't necessarily have that extra gear. And uh, Giga's right back in the mix. He's just fun to watch and fun to watch on a microphone and uh i just like his energy and just like the frame for the division and uh we'll see what they do i think the ayer rodriguez fight makes a lot of sense and you know yeah going to want to rebuild after what happened against volkanovsky all right so the fight i watched this morning when i got off of this uh godforsaken red eye by the way i do believe the pilot took his eyes off of the runway uh when we landed in miami this morning unless it's all automated at this point is that what happens oh, but Man, was that a rough land. It was kind of fun to Oof. watch my brother across the aisle uh, not react particularly well. You know, Was there a bounce? Was there a bounce? Oh, all? yeah. We were fucking bouncing, kid. <laughs> all right. So Cody's telling me takeoff and landing are manual. The rest is autopilot. So, yeah. yes, he did take his eyes off of the runway. We won't hold it uh, against him. All right. So Aaron Blanchfield over Tyler Santos. A lot of layers to this fight. Blanchfield takes it by unanimous decision. I thought it was an easy fight to score. Round one, Santos. Rounds two and three for Aaron Blanchfield, uh, who is a dog. And uh, it's interesting because I find myself watching fights like this, thinking about people who don't like watching dominant grapplers. And even though she didn't yeah. get any takedowns, um, do you know what she would do to me on the ground? You know, do you have any idea? <laughs> She'd so break I all like, your legs. Yeah, I mean, it'd just yeah. be right. But let's say she didn't even want to submit me. She just was like, hey, let's see if you can get up and. You know, 25, 30 minutes. You You're know? not getting up. You're no. not getting My up. My twin brother could even like tap in. Neither one of us be able to be able to get up, even with breaks. 
<laughs> so uh, what do you have for us on Aaron Blanchfield? Tyler Santos started well, but Aaron Blanchfield controlled and dictated the fight for uh, most of the final 10 or so. I, I'm an Aaron Blanchfield fan, but there were a lot of people that thought Blanchfield was going to run away with this and make it look easy against Santos. I was not one of them. Um, I remember saying, this is going to be a tough fight. I got Blanchfield. It's going to be a tough fight. Uh, Santos knows how to anti-grapple, you know, she's, she's lanky for the division. She knows how to take, you know, stop takedowns now. Um, I thought she landed some good shots in the clinch, but Blanchfield, she's a force. She did not stop, stop, uh, stop coming forward. She was landing the shots necessary to make it competitive. She was getting in on, you know, some of those clinch entries and things like that. Wasn't able to finish. I'm sure she's going to be, you know, taking that back to her team and, and working on her takedown, sharpening that aspect up, which she which she should because she's so good on the ground. Uh, but I thought this is a great learning lesson for her against a tough Santos. And I, I just thought that she was staying busier. She seemed to be a little bit hungrier uh, in that fight. And um, I think that forward pressure definitely helped her along. I think she really does work hard, does Aaron Blanchfield. And I think getting experience like this, traveling to Singapore, very far from the East Coast of the United States and acclimating to the climate and the food and the culture and making sure that your body and your weight is right. This is a good test for her to have passed. And uh, we'll see what happens. A lot of people envision her as a future champion. It just so happens that the belt in this flyweight division is on the belt in 19 days, the rematch between Alexa Grasso and uh, Valentina Shevchenko, and they're blowing this one out, T-Mobile Arena, for a fight night. So good time for her to have this win, and we'll see what they do with her. Uh, our producer, Cody Merrill, wants Blanchfield Chukagian either in Jersey or New York. I mean, that could certainly be a main event, and I do believe maybe you'll see one more fight out of Blanchfield so much is going to sit with what happens uh, in this second meeting between Alexa Grasso and Valentina Shevchenko. And obviously, we have a huge fight coming up this weekend between Manon Fior and Rose Namajunas. And hopefully, Petrie's not in the back room listening to me pronounce one of those fighters. Oh, he's listening. Rose Namajunas is not, the, uh, is not the pronunciation of the week. All right, so I'm trying to buy tickets several months ago to the NBA's Eastern Conference Finals in Miami, shopping a price, I settle on tickets, and then somebody else buys them. So this process sometimes is a hassle. It should not be a hassle. Introducing Game Time, the fast and easy way to buy tickets for all the sports, music, comedy, and theater near you. Killer deals on last-minute tickets, and with their best price guarantee, you can stop stressing over tickets and start getting hyped for the game or the UFC live event or anything else that floats your boat. The Game Time app, I was on there this morning. It is well laid out. You can buy last-minute tickets on there. I know a lot of people like to do that. Seat views, by the way, plus event cancellation protection. My man Dave Matthews got COVID last year. I was not covered. True story. Still haven't seen him a lot. Game Time has you covered, though, and the Game Time guarantee means you will always get the best price. If you find tickets in the same section and row for less, Game Time will credit you 110% of the difference. It's the fastest growing ticketing app in the country for a reason. So snag the tickets without the stress with Game Time. Download the Game Time app, create an account, and use code AFPOD for $20 off your first purchase. Terms apply again. Create an account and redeem code AFPOD for $20 off. Download Game Time today. Last minute tickets, lowest price guaranteed. All right. With that, let us get to the man on the mend, the Ray Longo Minute. Now time for the Ray Longo Minute. I want you to punch a hole in this fucking chest. That's what I want. The Ray Longo Minute. Starring Ray Longo, the G. 
John Anik and Kenny Florian podcast. Man, I'm not sure I've ever been happier to see you than I am today. Ray Longo in the flesh. How are we doing? <laughs> I think uh, I think it was a lot better when I was drugged up, but this is uh, this is rough, man. Holy shit. This is no fucking joke. Is it is it pain? Is it painful? Is it hard to walk? Are you able to walk at this stage, Ray? Well, like I, I could I could do assisted walking with a walker. Right. And I could go up and down the stairs, but wow. uh is it painful? It's it's just you're sore, man. I don't know. I mean, they yeah. saw that bone in half. They cut your muscle. I don't know. It's it's that type of soreness. Pain, like the arthritis pain was pretty bad, I think. But right. I just, I don't know. Maybe I ended up dealing with that. This is like you really can't move. You're incapacitated. You can't, you know, you can't get your shoes on by yourself. You know, it's one of those deals where I don't think they tell you. I mean, I think they pick up after like week three and say everything's great. But uh, yeah. I don't know. To me, I I thought it was going to be a piece of cake. You know what I mean? But I did leave the hospital four hours after surgery. I felt good leaving. And then I think uh, the nerve block and everything, everything started to wear off. I was like, holy shit, this is oh, brutal. Man. Yeah. Well, but so, yeah. Thankfully, you're, uh, you're built forward tough. I talked to you about 48 hours ago. How are you now compared to 48 hours ago? I think it's incrementally, yeah, it's getting better. It you know, is. So, I mean, I only had the uh, surgery Thursday. Right. So, uh, but we'll see. That's the first, I just got up, so we'll see how yeah. it feels. Right. So, uh, so Chris Weidman is on the mend as well. And if my <laughs> if my sources are accurate, he had the nerve to, to get you on his <laughs> won't back down show like t- several hours out of surgery. Is that? Right. Oh, within within twenty four hours, I did the podcast for him. Oh man, I think, I think he got. He wanted me to drug myself up and come on. Now, he's funny, man. But uh, uh, you know, I figured what he went through. Uh, uh, this is nothing compared to that. So whatever. It is. It is. It was funny, and I think it was a good podcast. But and I was totally, totally coherent. But I do think, you know, I never was on like. Uh, Dilord nor you know oxycontin before i never even i never took that shit so yeah I, it does it is i think it does amp you up like you know what i mean like i came out of that anesthesia kenny i must have had 20 phone calls i was i'll be there i'm coming over there i'm doing that you know <laughs> and i'm I'm saying i was coherent but you felt you, you were you were a, a little euphoric i think right right you know right. and then then when the shit wears off and you, you know you, you can't get uh, out of bed. It's uh, I mean, I, it's one of those helpless things, I think. And you have to be careful because you don't want your hip popping out again. That That's the problem. I think if they told me no matter what I did, that hip is in there, like, you know, it's a bionic hip. I think, I, I, I think I'd be booking. So it's the being cautious, not wanting to have to go through anything like this again for that. I think right. that's what's – that's the confusing. That's the tricky part to me. You know what I mean? It's, and plus, I'm not used to – I'm not used to staying in the house for, you know, 24 hours a day. I'm, I'm yeah. losing, you know, you're going crazy. You know yeah. what I mean? I, yeah. I'm, I'm promising guys I'm going to be at their fight before the surgery because I thought it was going to be a piece of cake. There's no way I'm making it. Yeah, it's, uh, you know, real, you, reality set in. Are you asking your wife to, like, set off the smoke alarm to simulate, like, the round timer at the gym? What the fuck is that sound? <laughs> <laughs> That's good, John. What is the, uh, what is the sound? No, I'm just joking around. But what is that noise? Anybody? Anybody know? What is that, Ray? Are right, you home? Yeah. Oh, you hearing something? We heard it. Kenny, like a am I losing my mind? 
Yeah, no? oh, I heard oh. it. It was a okay. beep. Sounded like the oh, team that, was ready the, or something. That's the securities. Oh, I didn't know what you were talking about. That's, that's yeah. actually even, even that's funnier, actually right? It is. Yeah, it's, one of the, the, it's one of the better lines in the history of this almost nine year show. What added yeah. that? I thought <laughs> you were talking about it. I think you're talking about something else. So OxyContin, uh, I'm, I was watching The Pharmacist on Netflix and uh, you're not taking that stuff right now, are you? No. We don't, yeah, no, we don't I need took, any uh, of that I, stuff. I took Dilaudin. They gave it to me when I left the hospital and I took it the next day and then I stopped that night and went to Tylenol. Yeah. So Tylenol, I was, Tylenol and a lot of screaming. Oh, yeah. man. Well, I'm sorry. We're we're so happy to see you smile and laugh. I was with Frankie uh, Edgar last night, and he had his hip similarly repaired, but I think shaved. Sure, I don't had, think it was. A, yeah, he had a resurfaced. Exactly. Yeah, I, I was way past that point. Okay. Yeah. So, uh, but that worked swimmingly for him. Well, all right. Well, we very much look forward to next week. We're doing two episodes this week, and... When people ingest the second episode and you're not a part of it, they get so upset, you know, so we might have to book yeah. you for later in the week. But um, we very well, much look forward to checking in on you next week and seeing your progress. I'm good to go, man. I'm telling you right now, I got, I'll be staring at the ceiling in about 10 minutes. All right. So yeah. uh, I have several things I'd like to discuss with you. So Marab Dwalish Willie suggesting that he'll fight Sugar Sean O'Malley for the title in December. Right. Al Joe's not going to fight this year. Message me right. as such. Shouldn't, right. right? If anybody deserves an 18 month vacation, it's Aljamain Sterling. And it certainly and he, looks and like he's, he's going to uh, take it. Yeah. Oh, there's yeah. no doubt about it. He is uh, funneling alcohol in Las Vegas as we speak. <laughs> but Marab Dwalish Willie, when he suggests Kenny and Ray that he will fight Sean O'Malley in December with one hand, there's no ag- exaggeration there. He oh, yeah. understands, right? Yeah. He had a very invasive surgery, moving bones into parts of his wrists. Nothing ideal about it. But if there's any fighter on the roster that would literally fight for the world title with one hand and not bat an eye, Ray, if I'm not mistaken, it's that little Georgian Marab. Yeah. Well, I could tell you when he's the, the past couple of weeks when he's in the gym, you wouldn't even have known he had any surgery. Like there's no indication. I mean, he's sparring, he's jumping around. I don't know. I, I, <laughs> if you didn't know he had a surgery, Kenny, you wouldn't know anything was wrong. So. Jeez. I'm sure the doctor didn't tell him to do that, but he's I. He acted like nothing was wrong when I saw him. I mean, I have to say, Marab, you got to be careful, be careful, be careful. But that 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 fell on deaf ears. Yeah. So it's interesting because Cheeto is a dear friend, and I consider Marab to be a dear friend, and Marab and I are particularly connected because of my relationship with Ray. Right. But this is when the pure sports fan in me, Kenny, just feels a little bit. You know, shortchanged if Marlon Cheeto Vera leapfrogs Marab and fights Sean O'Malley for the title, right? This is when you just crave that meritocracy, I would think, as an MMA fan. And, uh, you know, there's no WWE comparison to be made, except that when you get to this championship level, entertainment and money and things like that just just shouldn't shouldn't be considered. Um, you know, Marab's the number one contender. He hasn't lost in 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 half a decade or so, right? And um, I don't know, Kenny, I don't know what you have for us on that, but it does seem as though uh, Sean O'Malley might be on this December date. Right. Well, well, it's why, you know, Sean Strickland is getting the shot. It's why certain people who uh, are at the right place at the right time and you have injuries and they're able to slip in there, man. You know, uh, the 
the show must must go on. And I think that with Marab's injury, Corey Sanhagen's injury for that matter as well, both those guys are out. And you have Cheeto Vera, who has done everything that that the UFC has asked of him. He just, you know, got that win there, looked great. He's kind of at the right place at the right time. He has that history with O'Malley as well. And um, it looks like he's going to get that shot. And, and hopefully both Marab and, and Corey Sanhagen are able to get healthy. And uh, we see them in action and, and get their due as guys that should be contending for the belt. Yeah, well, I think I think the boom. I think Marab as the number one contender should get that should get that shot. Just what's what's the point of having rankings if you don't even look at them? His hand is definitely better by September by December, right? Based right. based on what I saw, I mean, I, I don't know. Right. No, it's a really it's a really complicated thing, and it shouldn't be, but it kind of is what it is. And I'm not suggesting in totality, that Cheeto is not deserving, right? He won four fights in a row going into the Sanhagen fight. Might not have even needed to take that fight, right? But lost it, then beats Pedro Munoz. He's won five of six, but he is one and one over his last two. And what the one guy who beat him, Corey Sanhagen, right, is firmly in the mix as well. So it's just a little bit of a tricky situation. But uh, I don't know. I just think that there's such a cool storyline for two fights, really. Obviously, the Cheeto O'Malley rematch, but the storyline for O'Malley and Marabre is just is just awesome. You think they'll let you guys walk out in red jackets for that fight or not? <laughs> that was that was talked about for Aljo's fight. We were all going to get the red jackets and walked out. Everybody loved the idea, but we just never took the time to do it. But uh, I think that would be funny. Marab, that that's going to go down as one of the funniest things I ever saw Marab do. Oh my you know? gosh! He just. Yeah. You know, he looked like that little kid in school that was always running around. You couldn't grab him. You couldn't control him. I thought it was absolutely hysterical. So uh little Rice Krispies in the background. Hopefully we can. Oh, and there it is getting worse by the minute. All right. Well, of all days, Ray Longo's audio is just way too scratchy. So we love you, Raymond. We'll catch up with you later in the week. But he can't move actually right now. So uh much love. But Ray can't move. You're better, Ray. He can't move to go get headphones. He's joining us on the uh, on the phone. So, thank you. There's your Ray Longo minute this week. I had so many other things I wanted to uh, to get to with Ray Longo, like Aljamain Sterling, who uh, who really looks like he's living it up. And this is the party that he should have been having after he beat Henry Cejudo. But man, he looks like he's living it up. So, uh, and then I was going to obviously ask about Chris Weidman. But Ray doesn't seem to think there's any damage there. That is very encouraging. Sorry to the minute, men. We'll try to get Longo later in the week uh, when we catch up with Dominic Cruz and Roman Bravo Young. All right. So there was some sort of leak. Conor McGregor, Michael Chandler, Ken Flo, December. Did you see this? I did not. So I don't know if it was like a fight pass leak or whatever, but the source is Conor McGregor on social media posted something that said with a countdown and it looked pretty legitimate, UFC 296. Chandler versus McGregor. So a couple things on that. Chandler would be, I guess, the higher ranked guy. But if this is a welterweight fight, would it not be UFC 296 McGregor versus Chandler? I don't know. I know nothing. I pro- uh, I profess to know nothing. But those who were dismissive of Connor fighting this year, it seems like might be a little crack, and we might uh we might actually see uh the biggest superstar in mixed martial arts history before we close the book on 2023. So. Very interesting. Very interesting. Yeah. You know, I'm I'm curious again of like how often Connor has been training throughout this whole time. You know, um, how 100 percent is he? How is that leg doing? 
where's his motivation at all that stuff um because when connor is motivated when he's training hard uh man he, he still has the potential to beat anyone out there but again similar to what we were talking about before if you're taking these long layoffs only training when you have a fight and a lot of it again has been because of those dang injuries um you know, it, 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 it's prevented him from getting that consistency with his training, with his development. I think what made Conor McGregor Conor McGregor was his creativity, uh, was, you know, the fact that he was far ahead of everybody in, in terms of, you know, fight IQ and techniques and pushing the, you know, pushing it all forward. And, um, you know, I want to see that back. I, I'd love right. to see that back from Conor McGregor. I remember Demetrius Johnson having a conversation with him, I think, in the Philippines when he was there as a guest fighter in 2015 when Frankie Edgar fought Uriah Faber, the lone time we went to Manila. And he was just talking about Conor McGregor and space, the understanding of space and the athleticism to navigate space and distance management and feints and the sophistication of McGregor striking all the way back then. And that's from DJ, you know. So, yeah, I want to see it. You think we get a knockout McGregor and Chandler one way or the other? Is that a fair question? I would be very surprised if that went the distance, man. I I see see that being a finish. Absolutely. So I was with a lot of different people this weekend. I was with Dean Thomas, and one thing we were talking about was elbows, right? And I know I'm sort of going off on some tangents. Brian Petrie coming up here in about eight minutes. We do have some PFL stuff with Kenny coming up here shortly as well. But so – Why do we still talk about Kenny Florian when it comes to elbows, right? No. So, so I think this is a compliment, right? But it's actually, uh, a, an insult to, to the rest of the sport. So why do we still associate Kenny Florian with elbows, right? Tony Ferguson, maybe some others, right? But by this point in time, Kenny, right? Joe Rogan was putting your elbows over like 15 years ago, right? 2008 or so, right? 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 Yeah. So why have there not been hundreds of fighters? And Paul Felder was calling for it again this weekend, right? Why don't people throw elbows, right? At this point in time, I'm saying this with all due respect, right? There should be people other than Ken Flo who are known for for throwing elbows, and there are. But this should be a far more utilized weapon. I just had sort of a passing thought. Dean Thomas and I were having a conversation about it this weekend. I couldn't agree more. I think it's one of the most underutilized, probably the most underutilized tool when it comes to striking in mixed martial arts. And the thing is, it's legal. In the PFL, you can't throw elbows. In the UFC, you can. Why aren't you using these dang things? You know, both on the feet and on the ground, uh, they don't take as much energy to utilize. Uh, They cut. they They knock people out. So they're a very versatile tool as well, especially in close. Uh, there's a variety of them that come from a variety of angles. You could throw it if you're on bottom. You could throw it if you're on top. You could throw it inside the clinch. You know, so there's such a uh, such a weapon. But I do think that there's a lack of understanding of how to use them or even practicing with them. And I think that might be the biggest problem more than anything else is that it is hard to spar safely with them so you're not getting the reps when it matters so then when you fight of course you do what you you do what you do in training and i think that people need to get those dang elbow pads that's what i did and just get control get on the inside and play around with those damn things you've heard us tell the story on the anakin florian podcast before of a young cheeto vera reaching out to ken flo and ken flo talking about how to open up with the elbows and Really make people pay, and Cheeto's probably a good example. Matt Brown, another guy who employs yes. those elbows particularly well. So we were going to recap the PFL, but I found out they don't allow elbows. So <laughs> no, I'm just, 
So you signed a contract to work for a mixed martial arts promotion that does not allow elbows. The iron, that is, right? That is, that is right. <laughs> Ironic would be a word. So, uh, so what do you got for me on Clay Collard? What do you have for me on Olivier Obama Mercier over Bruno Miranda? Like, what is OAM's bank account, right? Like yeah. Bank of America or Bank Canadian <laughs> bank account. You gotta have, gotta have seven figures plus. I mean, OAM just cash and checks can flow. He does, Duno. So there's no question he's got a million dollars saved up, and he lives a very simple lifestyle. I had, a, I had the chance of visiting him in Montreal before last year's final, and man, he's just like very simple. He's like, if I win the million dollars, he's like, I'm, I'm not gonna use it. He's like, I don't need a car. He's like, I use my bike. He's like, I've used the same same car for a long time he goes i'm going to still live here in a small apartment i don't need anything bigger than this you know so he, he's he's i think he's really smart with his money he puts everything into his training as well uh and man this is a guy that has only gotten better now that he's got like the solid foundation of mixed martial arts now he's getting going out there and looking for finishes and getting them dude he just yeah. massive for the weight it's all coming together for oam dude and uh He's definitely going to be a favorite heading into there against Clay Collard, who I thought looked fantastic, fantastic against Shane Burgos. They had definitely one of the front runners for fight of the year. It was back and forth, absolutely ridiculous. Uh, Collard's leg looked like it was compromised early in the fight. Didn't matter. He's like, oh, one leg, no problem. I'll hop, yeah. I'll hop around the cage and uh, still yeah. find chin. And uh, the dude's a savage man. So is Burgos. It was a fantastic fight. But Clay Collard, man, just continues to impress. And uh, he's got a tough challenge, though, in OAM. Yeah, I'm a big fan of both of those guys. Yeah. I just love saying that name, Clay Collard, you know, C-O-L-L-I-D. It's not Clay Collard. Clay Collard. And yeah, for Shane Burgos, a little bit of rough sledding, right, in the PFL, the prize signing, right? But overall, he was competitive in this fight. He seemed to uh, think Collard won when the decision was announced, though. Right. Uh, that's what it looked like. Yeah. 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 Yep. So Sadabusi, huh? Is he a win away from a million bucks or are we not there yet? You know, he is. Yeah, so he's in the final. Um, I don't think he looked spectacular. Um, I think he looked spectacular in his last fight. In this one here, it seemed like he was fighting to win as opposed to go out there and uh, be present and outskill the Brazilian Carlos Leal. And because of that, we didn't get the most exciting fight. Uh, Magomed Karamov right now, um, I think, is going to be a problem for him just because of his ability to take you down and, and get uh, controlling position. So Sadabusi still needs to deal with that. And I still think we saw a weakness in his ground game. But what I was kind of most uh, I guess shocked by was the fact that he wasn't throwing as many of his weapons on the feet. He seemed a little timid, a little gun shy, uh, and, and perhaps there's injuries there because that happens, of, uh, of course, as well. Uh, but not not Sadabu's best performance, perhaps not Maga's best performance either. If I'm being yeah. honest, looked a little gassed at times. But um, I think from a stylistic perspective, Magomed Karimov is is, is looking pretty uh, heading into the final. And you know what's looking pretty good on paper is these finals. Yeah. You got Conan's son, Josh Silvera, taking on Impa Kasanganai. That's probably the one I'm most focused on. Maybe yeah. Sadabusi was just holding back the weapons because he looks over the broadcast booth and, uh, you know, elbow guy's not there. <laughs> All right, UFC spins it forward this weekend. We will have more on that coming up in about 60 seconds. And don't forget Dominic Cruz later in the week. But college football fans, are you ready for week one or what? 
DraftKings Sportsbook is hooking you up with a can't-miss offer to start the season strong. This week, new customers can bet just $5 on college football and score 200 in bonus bets instantly. Anything truly can and does happen in college football. Your team could go from unranked to dynasty mode in just a couple years. Change comes fast. The only thing that's a lock, the great offers from DraftKings Sportsbook. So download the DraftKings Sportsbook app, not now, but right now. Use code AFPOD. New customers can score $200 in bonus bets instantly when they bet just $5 on college football. Only on DraftKings Sportsbook with code AFPOD. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit 1-800-GAMBLER.net. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly. On behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort, Kansas. 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. See dkng.co slash football for eligibility terms and responsible gaming resources. Bonus bets expire seven days after issuance. Eligibility and deposit restrictions apply. All right. Let us go three wide now as we call on Big Gun Ryan Petrie. What's up, kid? Boys, what's up? I, I think I miss you maybe a little. I mean, I feel sure. like it's been a while. Do you miss me? Really? Yeah, of course. Always. He doesn't. He's like, really? Yeah, it doesn't no, feel what? like that long. No, of course I do. Yeah. I was just texting your brother JA, Jason Ank, the other JA. He's getting uh he's getting on the he's getting on the sticks, he's getting on the headset in a few weeks. Not too yeah, far from awesome. me. I might uh I might go visit him. A four hour drive. That's nothing. I got the day off the next day. I might go see what he's doing. How about that? Did he say he could get you tickets or what? No, he he did. He just said he loves seeing me. I didn't. I, yeah, I, I'd probably pay for the tickets, which is no big deal. But yeah, we'll just, get you in the building in Hammond, Indiana. Yeah. So yeah, sure. if you don't know, very exciting news that uh, my twin brother got tabbed to be part of this Anthony Pettis fighting champ championship broadcast in Hammond, Indiana, alongside Bilal Muhammad. The play-by-play is going to be uh, done by Ben Davis, and uh, yeah, it's pretty cool, right? It's uh, it's exciting. He's not, my brother's not doing play-by-play necessarily. He doesn't know that his role has been totally crystallized, might do the post-fight interview. We don't really know, sure. but yeah, it's really exciting. And it's just funny to think, because he made it very clear that he's not an analyst, right? Uh, That's what he said. Yeah. He's like, I don't know what the fuck I'm doing, but I'm excited. That's what he said. Yeah. I, I think he's going to kill it. I mean, he's got that. And I mean, obviously look at who his brother is. I think he's got it in his genes. Uh, that's just really cool. I'm excited for him. That's cool that uh, that him and Bully they obviously got a tight relationship on from yeah. the show, and uh, they're gonna call some fights together. That's cool. It's interesting. We were like running in Nashville, Tennessee, and I said to Bilal, you know, I said, "Do you ever envision calling fights with me or UFC fights?" And he's like, "Yeah, I've done some stuff." And uh, you know, actually, I was thinking about talking to Anthony Pettis, and the next thing you know, they're doing it together. Really cool. So uh, we'll see how they do, and. Uh, yeah. yeah, I'll be watching uh, very intently this weekend on UFC Fight Pass. So, uh, Bri, I have, yeah. before I update the standings, the pronunciation of the week for you. She's mm-hmm. the number two-ranked flyweight contender. She's taken on Thug Rose Namajunas in Paris this weekend. So we yes. would love if you'd be so kind uh, to hear you pronounce her name for us. Sure. Uh, so my real dad used to say our last name was – he told me to tell girls when I was in sixth grade that I, we were French because that's how French guys get girls. But <laughs> Petrie is not French. It sounds French. It's not. So I'm going to go Manon Fiot. Fiot? Huh? So- Fiot? 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 I'm sticking, <laughs> I'm sticking with Fiot. I don't know. Fuck it. All right. Let's, <laughs> <laughs> let's hear the file. My name is Manon the Beast Fio. 
My name is Manon, the best fjord. Kenny, what do you hear? Ecoute et repite. Manon, Manon, fjord. Yeah. Before God, I was good, doing man. this segment, I was saying Manon, so at least I've improved a little bit. There I'm you go. Manon. Right. Yeah. <laughs> Manon Fjord. Fjord, like F-Y-O-R. Fjord. Yep, something like that. Manon Fjord, by the way. <laughs> and I do think there was one utteration there by, by Petrie that will probably be able to be repurposed as a radio <laughs> drop in there on the second attempt. We got some right standings here. to update, boys, on a couple boy. of UFC cards. Oh, boy. So uh, Team Petrie is at minus $1,593. Team Florian is at minus $2,648. UFC wow. 292. Petrie goes 2-3, two and three, minus 265. Last week, UFC Fight Night Holloway versus the Korean Zombie. You go four and one plus seven hundred and twenty-four dollars. That included a five-unit max play on Max Holloway. A lot of people criticize you for going five max on Max Holloway. Yeah, and, uh, those people eating a little bit really? of throw here on a Monday morning. Uh, and throw. Well, it's because it's like a five thousand dollars. It's loss a number big, yeah, yeah. So that you know. Ken Flo, two and three for you for a minus three thirty at UFC two ninety-two. Much of that, of course, the two units on Aljo. UFC Fight Night Holloway versus Chan Sung Jung, three and two for a plus $452. That included your five-unit whack on Giga Chikadze. So the Petri lead, $1,055 as we come up on UFC Fight Night. Gone versus Spivak. Four selections for you today on the UFC Paris card. All of these odds courtesy of DraftKings Sportsbook. First up. In the light heavyweight division, former world title challenger Volkan Uzdemir's minus 155 favorite against the UFC newcomer Bogdan Guskov. I don't have his audio file yet. He's plus 130. So Uzdemir lost his last fight to Nikita Krilov. That was UFC 280 last October in Abu Dhabi, Bry. Mm -hmm. On the other side, Guskov out of Uzbekistan <clears throat> making his debut here. Don't know a ton about him. I saw a little bit of film today. Master of sport in MMA and boxing, Brazilian jiu-jitsu brown belt. Has some power. What do you have for us in this one, Brian Peacher? Yeah, what you need to know about him is he's fucking scary, okay? He's a Russian. He looks exactly like a Russian Anthony Smith. He just has the scariest back tattoo, which is kind of right up that Russian alley. And he's not the most technical guy in the world, but his right hand deads people. I mean, he sleeps people, and then he lets you know when he sleeps people. I've seen highlights. He stands over guys. He's got a pretty good record, you know, that uh, Eastern European scene that it's not easy to go through that. You're going to come across – some real heavy grapplers, and his takedown offense is pretty good. He's lean for the vision, but six or six three being long, but that right hand is something you know, something I'm, I keep an eye on. You know, he's plus one forty five. I like that. And you got uh, Volkov here. Listen, no time. You know, he's got no time. He's had some time since twenty nineteen. That's his last finish. So he's got some time. I think Bogdan is just gonna, you know, at the underdog price here. I think he's gonna catch him. I think it's gonna look like, uh, you know, Yuri Prohaska debuted against Volkov. In his in his debut, and people were like, "Whoa, who the fuck is this wild guy?" Bogdan's yeah. got the same thing to him, uh, not as clean, not as technical as, as some of the other guys, but that right hand, and he's got a really good left kick as well, and he just finishes on the ground. I'm all over this guy, plus one forty five. Add it to my card. Add it. I think that catches. I think that's a big dog play right there. Let's go. Can flow Bogdan Guskov or Vulcan Uzdemir for you? Yeah, I'm I'm going with Guskov as well. Um, you know, Brian did a great breakdown. I think the only thing he left out that I would add in would 
be his his knees in the clinch as well are yeah. nasty. But that right hand, what you know, there's two types of right hands. There's the Dan Henderson right hand where you mm-hmm. see it thrown, you're like, oh yeah, that thing's doing damage. <laughs> and then there's like a Chris Lieben type right hand where it just touches you. And then it looks like, you know, you were shot out of a cannon, like you're stepping in potholes, trying to figure out what the hell hit you. Like, that's the kind of right hand that he has. He doesn't even need to hit you perfectly with it. Uh, and he messes you up. So uh, I like this kid. I, I, I'm uh, I'm curious to see how he does in the UFC. Not an easy debut here against Uzdemir, but I do think he's good enough to get it done. Um, I'll put two units on, on, uh, on Guskov. Um, I, I think. I think he's going to be a problem with that right hand, dude. All right. Well, before Kenny even said that he was going to put two units on it, I did check the updated line on DraftKings Sportsbook. So, Cody, if you can update this graphically and otherwise, I'm giving you guys plus 154, not plus 130. This was the price when I sent the odds. Bogdan Guskov right now plus 154. Kempflo's got a couple units on that. We'll see later in the week if that plus 154 is there or if you guys – have any needle moving powers to actually move a fucking betting line. Because if plus 154 or higher is there, then you guys have no juice. (laughs) And talk to me about your Anakin Florian podcast parlay, boys, by the way. I have some thoughts. All right. Just kidding. I don't. All right. At lightweight, we're going to leave with Kenny Florian here since he fought for the world title, 155 pounds. Benoit Saint-Denis, minus 135. Tiago Moises, plus 115. Saint-Denis is a monster, Kenny. He has, I think, so now distanced himself from that bludgeoning at the hands of Eliseo Zaleski Dos Santos in his short-notice UFC debut. Probably hard to distance yourself from it when guys like me keep bringing it up on platforms like this. But now he's won three in a row, two by submission. As such, favored here against the UFC tested Tiago Moises. Ken Flo, what do you have for us on this one? What he did show in that fight, though, was a heart of a champion, man. And and that is kind of what he'll always be remembered uh, for for me. And now he's getting comfortable in the octagon. He's putting his skills together. And that bodes well for him here uh, against Moises. I think Tiago is a dangerous guy. I think that on the ground, he's going to have an advantage for, for sure against Benoit. Um, but I think getting it there is where the problem's going to lie. I think Tiago Moises has also made great improvements with his striking for sure. Um, but I think Benoit Saint Denis is, uh, he's a rough customer, dude. He's a rough customer. And when things get crazy, he gets a little crazier. And I think that's where Moises has to be careful is like actually having some success and then getting caught with a big shot by Saint Denis and going, what the hell just happened? So, um, and just staying with him, being able to keep that pace with Saint Denis, I think over the course of 15 minutes isn't going to be easy. Um, this is probably the toughest fight for me to pick on this card, um, the way I see it. But I'm going with uh, Benoit Saint Denis. Toughest fight for Ken Flo to pick, but still offers up a selection for you fine people. Benoit Saint Denis minus 135 or so. Tiago Moises plus 115. Bry Moises. Yeah. Well-trained, well-coached, a lot of skills. Headline against Islam Akasha back in 2021. Now has resumed his momentum. Back-to-back submission wins. Plus number next to his name here against Benoit Santini. Who do you have? 
I mean, you look at Moises, you you got to maybe want to take the plus number because the look at who he's fought, look at what he's done. He's been around. He, he went four rounds with it, uh, with Islam, which is hard to do unless you're not you, your name's not Alexander Volkanovsky. I mean, the plus money's there. It, you're riding with him, but man, Benoit Saint Denis, those kicks last time out. I mean, I guarantee he broke every bone in in Bonfreen's arm last time he fought, and he's just he's a bully in there. He's strong. He's big. He's powerful. He's got heart for days. He's good on the ground as well. Three finishes in a row. He's finally got his feet in the UFC. He's taking it full time now. I know he had a bunch of stuff outside the octagon. He's 11-1, which is still pretty young to to really strap your back to this guy and say, we're we're going to the top, but this isn't France. This isn't Paris, France. He's fighting a guy I think he can beat pretty uh, handily anywhere. I mean, Moises is great on the ground, but I think Benoit has enough base and uh, strength to avoid anything crazy. Uh, yeah. I like Benoit said, didn't he? I think this is a tough fight for Kenny or for anyone to pick, but uh, I'm going to go three units. Two units on Benoit St. Denis. I like the number, minus 150. I thought he was going to get a little closer to the twos. So when I see a number I like, I'm going to go ahead and load yeah. up on it. Yeah. So give me Benoit St. Denis. Yeah. And by the way, he's a former fucking Navy SEAL. Yeah. In there you go. And right. Went yeah. through absolute hell in training and came out the other side. So, Crazy. Uh, yeah. I mean, I think generally speaking, in a broad sense, you could do worse than uh, minus 135 right. with a Navy SEAL in an octagon. All right. Co main event, second ranked. Contender, on all fewer, minus 198. Thug Rose Nama Yunus, plus 164. This marks the UFC flyweight debut for the former two-time UFC strawweight champ, Rose Nama Yunus, coming off a split loss to Carla Esparza. That was over a year ago. She's never fought as a pro at 125 pounds, Bri. Mm-hmm. Here she draws Fjord, who is 10-1 after a win over Caitlin Chukagian late last year. Gotta think Fjord, if she wins here, is going to either wait or fight for the title, but uh, it's a big ask. Pretty mm-hmm. big number next to her, her name, nonetheless. Who do you have for us in the coma? Yeah, so this fight's weird to me because Rose is coming off maybe one of the worst fights in UFC history. It was a very awkward fight. Um, she has openly uh, talked about like her mental, uh, maybe not wanting to fight anymore. So, again, as a guy looking from the outside, that I don't know if I'm really ready to load up on her. I mean, I think that's one of the reasons why she's plus money because she's very talented. She's a fun fighter. She's good everywhere. And Fjord hasn't really been there yet hasn't tasted this yet but she's on her way up i mean she fought injured in columbus and still pulled it out against uh against uh, jennifer maya which was a tough fight someone who's just constantly trying to take her down i think she's got the skills to pay the bills babe i think she's very very good um she's gonna have to have a a, a really good performance in my opinion to maybe leapfrog someone like aaron blansfield who i think is dynamite i think is a stud i think she deserves the next shot um but she's right there i mean we that's a good problem to have for the ufc is some real competitive fights in this division um I'm gonna go with with with, with Manon Fuel uh, over Rose Namunis. I still can't say it. John laughed at me right there. Still can't say it. But uh, I I just think she's gonna be too much everywhere. Really, I think she can. She's proven the her grappling is getting good, and and then her stand up is very good as well. I mean, she's landing over 80 strikes in all the UFC fights. I think Rose tends to not be able to get off uh get off um, enough strikes in times. And I mean. Again, with the with the mental hurdles of her last fight and what she's been dealing with, uh, I, I just don't love it. So give me give me a few. Man, That's Erica Petrie's husband, <laughs> Erica <laughs> Petrie's husband, just crushing on Aaron Blanchfield. Like, I mean, I think you guys would look good together, but she has yeah. a significant other, and uh, I don't believe that uh, that significant other shares your gender, Bri. Oh, you and oh. look good together. <laughs> okay, and Flo, well, shot me down. 
Well, I know. I mean, I think you guys would look good together, but I'm an Eric <laughs> fan. Oh. So, hey, Kenny. Manon Fuhrer, minus 198. Thug Rose Namajunas, plus 164. Rose Namajunas likes to lift weights. Fucking yoked. Uh, what do you make of Rose at uh, Flyweight Ken's book? Oh, that was another John Anik class. I don't even know what I said. I don't even He's know what so you're laughing good. <laughs> Yeah. It's hilarious. All right. Okay. Uh, this is interesting, man. There's, there's so much uh, going on with this fight. I think Brian did a great breakdown and, and, acknowledge you know some of the question marks around rose namunis and where her attention is at these days um it better be at an all-time high and she better have had an, an amazing camp and she better make sure that her head is in this this fight because fior is not here to mess around i mentioned her voice earlier like cute little voice and she's from france and you know eat cheese and bread and all like no she wants to eat your soul is what you yeah. want she wants to take your heart out and spread it like a pate on some very nice french bread okay nice. and she'll enjoy it she's a savage she's going out there to hurt you and she's good everywhere man like you know she's out there key eyeing with every single strike yeah. You know, it's just it's it's wild. And she goes out, she pursues the fight, she looks at she looks for the finish from the get-go. So she's gonna get right in Namunis's face and, and and force her to fight. So I'm looking forward to it. Here's the thing: Rose has the skills to win this fight, she has the experience to win this fight, uh, she has the team to win this fight. But I, I do have my doubts here. I, I think Fiore is going to have a lot of weaponry. And I think she's going to come with a lot of pressure. Um, and if Rose is able to withstand that pressure, I think she'll be okay, especially if she's able to withstand um, probably, you know, first seven minutes or so. Um, but Fiora's going to come in shape. She's going to be in shape for every round. I think she's been taking the right fights on her quest to be a champion in the UFC. Wouldn't be surprised if she is a champion in the UFC. That's a crazy division. It's developed into a uh, very tough division uh, to be elite in, but Manon, Manon Fior is elite, and um, I, I'm favoring her right now, man. So I'm, I'm going with Fior. Sometimes Ken Flo will set it up for a Manon Fior, and then he backdoors it and says, yep. but I'm oh, going yeah. the other way. He goes yeah. to Rose oh, yeah. Unis. So I was with friend of the show, Ronnie Pellegrino, owner of the Paradise Cantina in Las Vegas this hey. weekend. I met this oh, gentleman for the first time. Good Outstanding guy. human being, but he yeah. always talks about Ken Flo's sharp mind, but he's like, dude, you know, he leads me down this path and yeah. I'm listening and I'm like, yup, yup, yup. <laughs> and then he's like, but I'm going the other way. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> By the way, Ronnie, we will all be out there in December. Kenny Florian, Brian Petrie, Ray Longo, myself, Jason Anik, uh, to watch another show beat us for MMA programming of the we're year. It. But we're still going to go. We may win, but we we're may winning. not. I don't know. But either way, Ronnie, if you could get the penthouse for the Anik and Florian LLC staff <laughs> yeah. in uh, December. Uh, oh, yeah. Sorry, Cody, saying what am I, the ball boy? Well, you know, I mean, no, you're the, you're the uh, executive producer. Cody. Cody, I promise if you come with us to Vegas, you could watch us stay at that penthouse. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. There you go. All right. Main uh, event features the former UFC interim heavyweight champion, Cyril Ghosn, minus 170, taking on Sergei, the polar bear, Spivak, plus 142. I love this main event. I love that it's happening in the afternoon. So the only man to beat Spivak in the last three and a half years, essentially, Bry, Tommy Aspinall, 
Spivak's won three straight, all by finish, six of his last seven. Made good on his first UFC main event in February against the Black Beast, Eric Lewis. Now he draws Cito Gom. What do you think he does with the opportunity? I'm trying to figure this line out. I'm starting to smell a rat because Sergei Spivak should be the favorite considering the style he brings. Cyril Gaon got taken down four times by Francis, got taken down by John Jones Smith. That's what Spivak does. He takes you down. He beats you up. He looks for a submission, and he's getting better at it. He gets overwhelmed by guys with, with more athletic ability than him. I mean, Walt Harris did it back in the day, and you mentioned Tommy Aspinall. So is that what Vegas is is counting on? Is 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 gone to have learned his lesson against a great John Jones and go, oh, takedowns aren't gonna be a problem anymore. He's gonna be athletic and he is athletic, he is explosive, but I don't love that he doesn't throw enough. He doesn't put a volume out there that I'm comfortable with. Spivak stand up is still a little rough, it's still pushy, kind of bulldozes his way in to maybe clinch you up, get you a takedown, which is work for him, but he's also finding guys with not high caliber athleticism, high caliber takedown defenses last three times out, but he's finishing those guys that counts or something. When you go out there and you fucking finish guys, regardless of the style, make matchups, whatever. So I'm seeing plus plus one forty, and, and being a big guy, I should be able to spot a rat in a heavyweight division. I can't, I'm terrible at it, but I'm going to go Spivak here. I'm going to go gone has worked on his takedown defense enough, but I think Spivak is a little underrated. I think at plus money, he lands a takedown, he works. He grinds. He's not just a guy that lays and prays. He works and grinds. And I like Spivak at plus money here. Let's go, babe. Let's go. Let's do it. It's in France, though, which scares me. But I, uh, I'll, I'll take Spivak. Kenny, Silicon has had five and a half, six months to work, to train, to develop. But I don't have to tell you, as somebody who brought in Sean Gray to help with your wrestling late in your career, that uh, five and a half months just ain't enough time, right? Even for elite wrestlers, if you're not maintaining it, yeah. it's just not enough time. So this should really be a great test for Cito Gan. And uh, I'm curious the extent to which he is up for it. What do you have for us on the main event? Yeah, BP did a, another great breakdown as always. And I think that uh, Cyril Gan certainly has the athleticism advantage here against Spivak. And I think that he's got you know, certain qualities with his footwork that could give Spivak a very difficult time. And if Spivak is unsure of how to approach that and bridge that gap of distance between him and Cyril Gon, Gon wins this fight. Um, but when you look at the vulnerability in Gon, uh, in that fight against John Jones and how quickly he was taken out of there, Spivak could easily do the very same thing. Now, when Spivak is able to get to the clinch, when he's setting up his entries properly with his striking, dude, it is a thing of beauty. The way he combines his takedowns, his throws is awesome. He recently got married, actually, to Marina Maknakina, who is the PFL finalist. Uh, this year nice. um, and uh, we asked them what they did on their honeymoon like they both looked at each other like we, we train we, we train <laughs> we, we just train you know they, they literally just went to the training room for, for their honeymoon so nice. um, yeah they, they're taking it seriously man um, I don't think they're going to celebrate until after this fight and for me he seems like he's he's married uh, to Mucknock and he's married to the game though you know he seems like he's extremely focused he realized what's in front of him this could be a huge opportunity for him to maybe be an eventual champion in the UFC's heavyweight division. And um, I think he's got the right tools, man. It's not going to be easy. He's got to find a way to bridge that gap. But if he does, I think on the ground, he takes care of business and does it relatively quickly. Uh, as John said, it takes a long time, a lot longer than one camp uh, to come in better with your grappling. Mm -hmm. 
All right, good work today, boys, on the main event challenge. Really like the film study and the analysis, some underdog selections, a lot of alignment, of course, and Ken Flo with a couple units on uh, on oh. a newcomer, Bogdan Guskov. What's up, Kit? Sorry, I want to put three units on Spivak. I, I oh, love that. look at this guy. Look at this guy. Five units across the board on dogs. That's, yeah. that's nuts on your yep. table. I love that it shit is. right there, man. BP, anything yeah. else? That you yes. would like to wet your beak with on the Paris card. Of course, we got an Irish gentleman, and I believe his name is you pronounce it Kalen Logren or Logren. Excuse me if I'm pronouncing it right. I think first name is Kalen. He's got a head like Marvin Vittori, square head. He trains at a Liverpool with uh, Tom Aspinall's camp, uh, Darren Till's camp, Team Kabam, I believe. And this kid's legit. He's a Cage Warrior former champion, 135 pound stud, ripped to the gills. Good everywhere, cardio good, finisher. I like his matchup in this. He's going against a grappler. I think a finish is there. He's juicy at minus one, uh, uh, 305. We can play that with the bankroll we just got from this past weekend, but I do like him by finish as well. So that's my uh, – that's my. it's not a premium. I think he kicks off the main card, but that's my additional okay. selection. All right, and and but you, so do you want a straight wager for minus 305 for yeah. our purposes? You okay. know what? Right. Neil, no, Kenny's throwing all these extra – Give me uh give me two extra units. I got two units on on, on Kaylin. Yeah. Kenny's unit thrown everywhere. Let's do it. Let's have fun. Yeah. Well, why not? Right? I mean, yeah. you got a little bit of a lead. Sure. Not quite in the home stretch of the year, but uh it has been a top heavy UFC schedule. All right. If you want more from Brian Petrie, he does host another podcast, the MMA Takes Podcast, and uh at Brian Petrie MMA on his preferred social media platform, X. My man. Have a great day and a better evening. And uh, unless there's anything else, we'll talk to you next week. We're good, boys. I'll see you. Hey, Brian Petrie with us for the main event challenge. All right, that is going to do it for today. Sorry about the technical issues with Longo. We will effort him later in the week, perhaps even on Instagram Live. We'll see how his hip is holding up. We'll be back later in the week, of course, with the former UFC two-time UFC Bantamweight champ Dominic Cruz and the legendary wrestler Roman Bravo Young. Don't forget, this Sunday, September 3rd, 2 p.m. on UFC Fight Pass. Anakin Florin podcast family. Bilal Muhammad and Jason Anik joining Ben the Bane Davis on the call for APFC from Hammond, Indiana. So hopefully you guys will shout out some support for those guys. Remember, the show, of course, is well coming up this Thursday on the AF channel. AnikFlorianPodcast.com for your merchandise needs. We do have some Sydney One More Sleep designs that are up right now at Millions.co in advance of UFC 293. Kenny Florian, martialarts.com and Argus Integrated Defense if uh, if you want to close the distance or create some space. We'll talk to you guys Wednesday or Thursday. Thanks, everybody, for watching, for listening. WorldMMAAwards.com if you want to vote for the show. We appreciate that as well. Thank you to Brian Petrie and Ray Longo. For Kenny Florian, I'm John Anik. Our producer is Cody Merrill. We'll talk to you guys in a few days. Until then, yo fucking later. I start a verse, I break at least three commandments Kinda like Pluto because I never plan it I'm outlandish in the way that make the patches look Like they own ranches, it's the art of war Your blood's the only color on the canvas And I don't mean it like a thug sense of how you can get God Fuck being gangsta, 
I'm hip hop. You got it every time you walk in the label. The A and R's like not it. Immune to your shit 'cause I circle, circle, dot, dot it. Body heat is intoxicating. We got a beat. I don't got it. Speak competency. Start to think psychically. Make the speakers speak elitistly. Off the high horse. Make the asses they use. Your DJ must not know the alphabet for getting his cues. My favorite DJ got those and six extra L's to abuse. Esoteric John P and I'm the new kid at school. I'm Ray to Ellis. Nice to meet you. Short busting my styles. Egocentric, ego tripping with frequent fly smiles. DJ wants to get in the bird. He gets in the bird. And bird. Now's a good time to remember where the story of tequila started. In 1795, the first tequila distillery was opened by the Cuervo family. And 229 years later, Cuervo is still going strong. Family owned from the start. Same family, same land. Now's a good time to enjoy Cuervo, the tequila that invented tequila. Go to Cuervo.com to shop tequila or visit a store near you. Cuervo. Now's a good time. Trademarks owned by Beckless AB to CV 2024, Proximo, Jersey City, New Jersey. Please drink responsibly.